This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Well, it's that time of year again uh, when for the next few weeks we're really going to be focusing on our international uh, work through IMB and getting ready for our, our Lottie Moon in gathering, uh, which is going to be on December 9th. And so mark your calendar for that and just be praying. Our, our goal as a church is $65,000 for the last, the least, and the lost around the world. And those that have never had a chance to hear, it's one of the things we're going to be talking about today in Romans. So let me ask you to open your Bibles today to the book of Romans. If you're new uh, with us today, we are walking through Romans. We are almost done. Um, we, uh, we are in, at the end of chapter 15 today in verses 22 through 33, and then next week uh, we are going to look at chapter 16, uh, and our journey through Romans is going to be done. Um, the following week on November the 25th, Edgar Aponte, one of the vice presidents at IMB, is going to be with us, and so we're going to look forward to that, and then in December we're going to do a special Advent series in, in Ruth. So we're looking forward to, to all of that, and today we're talking about gospel priorities in Romans 15 and beginning with verse 22. And I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the author of God's word as we look at his word together. Gospel priorities. What do we see here in this text? Romans 15 and beginning in verse 22 and moving through the end of the chapter. Paul says, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and I have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, as we think today about, about gospel priorities, not just in the ministry of Paul, but in our own lives, it is our prayer that that our priorities in life would be shaped by the gospel. 
because ultimately all that will matter is, is what will last forever. And that's, and that's, the, that's the gospel. That's the investment that we make in the lives of people for your glory. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news that you love sinners like us so much that you became one of us, as we'll remember at Christmas time. And you died for us. You took all of our sins and shortcomings and, and wickedness upon yourself. And you rose from the dead that we can have eternal life. And Lord, we want the whole world to hear. And even as we begin praying about um, Lottie Moon, Lord, we pray that you would move upon our minds and our hearts, not only to give generously, but Lord, to be open, completely open to what you would do in our lives in regard to the Great Commission. And Father, help us to remember that that commission begins with our families and our neighbors and our friends and those that are all around us who need the Lord. Lord, give us gospel priorities, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, in the aftermath of um, Billy Graham's passing earlier this year, I was just going back, and it's remarkable all the things that you can see on, on YouTube today. And, and so I, I missed a lot of his ministry and was, was too young just to, to, uh, to know kind of what those early days were, were like. And so I was going back, and I was, I was looking at kind of different interviews that had been done with him through the years, and it was remarkable the kind of the rapport that Billy Graham was able to have, even with some well-known skeptics, I mean, people like Woody Allen or Larry King or, you know, lots of other people that are, that are kind of known for their skepticism towards faith, but, but yet, in a way, they seem to gravitate toward Billy. And what was it? You know, I think it was the authenticity of his heart. Yeah, I can see this. I may not believe what this man believes, but he's real. I can see his his heart, and it's real. You know, this is one of those texts where we really get to peek into the heart of the Apostle Paul, and we get to see some of the priorities that drove him, and that should drive us as believers. We get to see in this text, for instance, how he made decisions. And that's the first thing that, that we see here in this text is gospel decisions. How do we make gospel decisions? What informs those decisions? What do we see here in, in Paul's life? Let's, let's look at verses 22 through 24. He says, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So last week, what did we see about Paul in verse 20? 
we saw that he, he, said, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Jesus has already been named. Paul's role was as a pioneer missionary. His calling was to go into places, go into cities, go among peoples where they had never heard the name of Jesus. And so when he says here in verse 22, this is the reason I've so often been hindered from coming to you, what he's talking about is that I haven't been able to visit you guys in Rome where there already is a church because I've been so busy going into these other cities where there is no church and where people have never even heard of of Jesus. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 in the Great Commission, he tells us to go and make disciples of who? Of all nations. And it's interesting that word nations in Greek is ethne, which, which means every ethnic group of people, every tribe and tongue, every group of people across the planet that has their own language and their own culture. Jesus says we're to go and make disciples among all of those peoples. Depending on which missiologist you talk to, there are between six and 7,000 people groups today that have little or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those six or 7,000 unreached people groups comprise about 42% of the world's population. Now what that means is that, that, that almost half the world still lives in a situation where if someone doesn't come in from the outside, they will be born, live, and die without ever hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's another stunning statistic. Among all Protestant missionaries, only about 20% are working among the world's least reached peoples. Now, that is not the case with the International Mission Board which receives the the, the vast majority of our church's missions giving because the IMB has decided to prioritize unreached peoples. And so the the vast majority of our missions giving is is going to the the least reached peoples in in the world. And and even most of the, the giving that we do outside of our giving to to IMB It's going to people like Nishat that are working among the last, the least, and the lost. People like Martin and Carrie that are working with a refugee ministry in a city in Southeast Asia. Um, and, And these refugees are, again, are coming from a people group that is unreached with the gospel. Now, this does not mean 
that it is wrong for, for missionaries to go to a place where they already have churches because lots of those places in the world, there are still, even if there's a church there, there's still like so many lost people and the, and the needs are, are so great. Haiti is a good example of that. But, but what it, it does mean is, is that in, uh, in, 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 in giving and when IMB decides kind of like where to place people, there's a stewardship involved in that because you've got so many people in the world that have never heard and they will not hear until someone comes from the outside, gets a reproducing church going. Okay, and that was Paul's calling. That was his ministry. Okay, his ministry was to go into cities where no one had heard of Jesus, plant a church that would be capable of reproducing itself, and then he would go to another city. So we see this again in verses 23 and 24. What does he say? He says, but now... Since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, what does he mean by that? Well, the reason he no longer has any room for work in these regions is because there were certain cities, certain regions, where by God's grace, he had been able to plant a church. And so the work there, his work was done. And he would move on and go to a place where there was no church. He says, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. And so his plan is to come visit these brothers and sisters in Rome, but he's not going to stay there long. Where is he going? He's going to Spain, where again, they've never heard of Jesus. This is one focused man, the Apostle Paul. Clyde Metter serves as the, the interim president of, of the International Mission Board. Um, and I heard, him, I heard him interviewed recently on a, on a podcast. I want to commend this podcast to you, Missions History Podcast. Missions History Podcast. It's done by IMB, and it's interviews with with, with missionaries and, and just hearing their testimonies and their stories. So Dr. Metter was talking about how God worked in his own life. And his background was, was, did not begin in ministry. In, in the 1960s, he was, he was one of the first IT guys in the world, long before anybody had ever heard of the internet. But he was kind of one of the pioneering guys working on what would eventually become the internet. Uh, and that was, he was kind of, that was, that was, he was pouring his life kind of into that. Well, he had a work-related conference in, in New York City, um, and it was on a, a, a week where it just snowed to the point that you know the airports were closed and and they were going to they were unable to have the conference that particular day and so dr metter was snowed in in this hotel room in the middle of new york city and he said i spent the day in the scriptures and on my knees in prayer and clyde said you know at the beginning of that day I thought that I was God's gift to the world of computing. <laughs> and at the end of that day, 
I knew that God had other plans for my life. And he and his wife, Elaine, would go on to spend the bulk of their adult lives pouring into Muslim people in Indonesia. Have you surrendered your life to the Lord? Really surrendered your life to him? Say, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If it means laying aside my plans for my life, I'm willing to do it. Have you placed your yes on the table before the Lord and said, Lord, whatever, whenever, wherever, I'm yours. You know, Christmas is approaching. I think about, that, I think about this, uh, the, when, when Mary, a uh, teenage girl in all likelihood, is approached by this angel and the angel says to her, you, although you're a virgin, are going to give birth to the Messiah. And what on earth must have been going through the mind of, of this young girl? But what does Mary say to the angel? She says, behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your will. A surrender. That's where God wants each of us to get. Gospel decisions. Second, gospel unity. Gospel unity. Gospel unity. Let's look at verses 25 through 27. Paul says, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. So we have seen throughout Romans, haven't we, that one of, one of Paul's primary themes in this letter is the unity of the body of Christ. Because he knew that in the church at Rome, there were tensions between followers of Jesus from a Gentile background and followers of Jesus from a Jewish background. And Paul also knew that this tension between Jewish and Gentile believers existed in, in many other churches. And so he was always looking for an opportunity to, to bridge that gap and bring those people together. So one of the ways that he does that is by uh, collecting this love offering from Gentile churches like the ones in Macedonia and Achaia um, that were predominantly Gentile, and he's collecting a love offering from these Gentile believers to do what? To take it to Jerusalem to give to Jewish Believers who were very much in need because he, he knows that God can use this, this expression of, of compassion to speak to their hearts. You know what? That's what 
BGR is all about. That's what our, 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 our 5K run last weekend was all about. That went to, to benefit Baptist Global Response, BGR, which is sort of a, a division of the IMB that is, to, is, is particularly to, to meet the needs of people that are in the most desperate situations around the world. Because see, here's the deal. Lots of the people that we're trying to win to Christ around the world, they have got desperate needs. Many of them need, are in need of food. Many of them are in need of clean water. Many of them are in need of basic clothing and basic shelter. So how in the world can we go and tell these people about Jesus without meeting their physical need? We would be like the person that James talks about in James 2.16 that, that says to, uh, to poor people, oh, keep warm and well fed, you know, God bless you. No, we, we don't want to be like that guy. We, we want to combine practical compassion with passionate communication of the gospel. And, and when that happens, it's powerful and the hearts of people are open to hearing about our Savior. You know, I got to see this firsthand in May when my daughter Courtney and I were, were able to visit Martin and Carrie um, in a city in Southeast Asia. And so there's a vibrant ministry to refugees from an, an, a totally unreached people group that's going on there. Um, and so we're able to go and visit with them and sit down with them and, in, 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 in with family after family after family after family after family and sit down and talk about Jesus and openly share the gospel with them. But you know what God has used to make that possible and open their hearts? Martin and Carrie have, have used funds from, from BGR to be able to deliver base food and just basic essentials to these families. And God has used ladies from our church that uh, did Christmas stockings and everything. So these 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 families know they are loved. That's been demonstrated. And now they're ready and willing to talk about Jesus. Martin and Carrie were just sharing with me recently, uh, some of those families came to, came to VBS to vacation Bible school from a Muslim background. So God uses tangible expressions of love to bring people together, and that's what Paul was seeking among Jewish and Gentile believers, gospel unity. Third, gospel intercession. Gospel intercession. Let's check out verses 30 through 33. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, 
that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So Paul is appealing for their prayers. He says, I, I appeal to you, I'm pleading with you by, by our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. One of the, one of the just most, most practical ways that we can love other people is to, is to pray for them. One of the primary ways that we love people is to, is to bring them before the Lord and pray for them. And Paul is pleading with the church at Rome, please, please, I need your prayers. I woke up this morning to two emails from missionaries around the world with very specific requests for prayer. And it was a joy to go before the Father this morning and to, and to intercede on their behalf with these two needs, believing that God hears and that God answers prayers and that I can make a difference in their ministry thousands of miles away by putting those, those needs before the Father. It's so encouraging, you know, just to hear about uh, prayer groups springing up in our church, uh, praying for our church, praying for us as pastors. We so appreciate that. We so need that. Because apart from God, we can do nothing. Charles Spurgeon once described the prayer ministry of his church as the engine room of the church. And we've got to humbly depend upon the power of God for anything good that happens. Now notice here in verses um, 31 and following that Paul is asking them to pray for three specific things. Verse 31, first of all, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea because he knew that in going to Jerusalem, he knew that there were many who were hostile towards him. And so he's praying for deliverance from, from them. And then secondly, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. He's, he's, he's asking them to pray that this love offering will be well received by the people in Jerusalem. And then third, that he would be able to come to see them in Rome. So he says, pray for these three things. Well, God was gonna answer all three of those things. He's gonna answer affirmatively. But he was gonna answer in a way that was different than what Paul imagined. You see, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or imagine. What was going to happen when Paul went to Jerusalem? Acts tells us that, that he arrived in Jerusalem, he went to the temple, and he was promptly put under arrest. You say, well, was he delivered from the unbelievers in, in Jerusalem? Yes, he was. Because they tried to kill him. <laughs> and Acts tells us that God miraculously delivered him and preserved his, his life even though he was arrested. And even that arrest was a part of the plan of God. 
What did God told Paul the day that Paul was saved on the road to Damascus? The ninth chapter of Acts tells us that the risen Christ said to Paul on that day, you will appear before Gentiles and kings on my behalf. And because Paul was arrested in Jerusalem, he was going to appear before kings, multiple kings, multiple high officials, proclaiming the gospel of Christ. There's every indication that the offering to the saints at Jerusalem was acceptable. And guess what? Paul made it to Rome. He came to Rome as a prisoner. But even in that capacity, his impact for the gospel was incredible because we know that as a prisoner, he was able to impact not only the Roman soldiers that were guarding him, Caesar's own Praetorian guard, he was able to influence members of Caesar's household, high officials in the Caesar's administration. He had an incredible impact in Rome. But see, God's, God's plans are higher than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. When Paul was in Jerusalem, and, and he, his life was under threat, and he was surrounded by uh, hostile unbelievers, it looked bleak. It looked dark. It didn't look like God was answering prayer. But he was. He always does. Dr. William Leslie was a medical missionary who went to the Congo in 1912. And Dr. Leslie invested the next 17 years of his life pouring into people in a remote part of, of the Congo, in the jungle. When he left after 17 years of hard, hard work and investment, he was so discouraged. He felt like a total failure because he had seen very little visible results come from his ministry. He left the Congo after 17 years, feeling like a failure, died nine years later. In 2010, a man named Eric Ramsey led a team into this remote corner of the Congo and was absolutely stunned by what he saw. Because in every village across an expanse of about 34 miles, the very area where Dr. Leslie had spent those 17 years in the early 1900s, in this, in this very area, in these very villages, there were vibrant gospel churches vibrant, reproducing gospel churches. They were, like, they were like glittering diamonds right in the middle of the jungle. You see, as, as Dr. Leslie 
had moved among these people. Patiently, lovingly, sharing the gospel, practicing medicine, promoting literacy, seeking to love on these people for Jesus' sake. The seeds of the gospel were being sown in the ground. He didn't get to see the fruit of that during his earthly life. But I want you to know, God's word never returns to him void. What do we see in, in the book of, of Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 55, God's word says this. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven... And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word doesn't return to him Wait. God says, don't be weary in well doing, for you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. God brings it in. He uses us as instruments. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being a part of the work that you're doing in this community and around the world. Father, we pray that our priorities in life would be would be accurate reflections of the gospel. May the gospel shape our decision-making. Lord, may we have gospel-shaped unity. Lord, may we have gospel intercession and be a, a praying church, interceding for our own church and for the global church, missionaries and people groups around the world. Lord, we thank you that we get to invest our, our, our lives, our resources in the work that you are doing around the world. Thank you for a church um, that, that is looking beyond itself um, to touch people around the world for you. Lord, that's our, our prayer that, that that would begin with your touching the people in this room. Lord, Bless us to bless others. Touch us that we might touch others with the gospel. As we just reflect before the Lord in in these moments, how's God dealing with you today? Is your life surrendered to him? Have you put your yes on the table before the Lord? Say, Lord, I'm yours. I don't want to hold anything back. My life is yours. Would you say with Mary today, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be be to me according to your will.
and just surrender to him. For some of you, that, that might mean surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord because right now you're, you're still in charge of it and you need to take your hands off the controls and say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Thank you for dying for sinners like me. I believe you rose from the dead and right now I welcome you into my life as my Savior and Lord. For others of you as believers, it means complete surrender. There's areas of your life that you've been holding back. Just let go today. Just let it go. Say, Lord, I surrender to you. My, my life is yours. I, am, I, I just want to be your servant completely. Day by day. Whatever, whenever, wherever. Lord, I'm available to you available to speak for you. I'm available to do ministry in your name. Lord, I'm, I'm yours, your child, your servant. Lord, we offer ourselves to you today. Complete surrender. Lord, we know that you can use you will use men and women and boys and girls whose lives are surrendered to you. And Lord, you can use a church like that. We present ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child his very own son or daughter. Just imagine, Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you wanna spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. Find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. 
tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.